Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com, your home for the very best fantasy basketball tools and articles on the internet. Go check them out, HashtagBasketball.com. I'm your host, Mike Katrin, and joining me at the end of a long, nasty season, a bitter season. Uh, full of joy and sorrow and magic. Irving Magic Johnson suddenly quitting. It's my co-host, Tyler Watts. What's up, Tyler? Um, so, yeah, that, did that trump its way into the strangest story of the season on the very last day? I think it did. That was like the craziest day of the whole season. The, there was like a ranking out there. And they said, you know, like the the backdoor passage fight was number one and then like april you know whatever it was ninth or whatever is kind of the second craziest day with dirk wade jamal going all going off and then magic johnson just quitting Um, out of nowhere so i think magic just wanted the headlines i don't know but uh it was strange and then the fact that he was like yeah i didn't even tell gd bus i just I knew she talked me out of it, so I'm just gonna tell you guys I'm quitting. Like I don't care. <laughs> he just did it. Like he just like screw it. I'm at it. I, I wanna. I wanna successfully. I'd recommend this to everybody. But one of these days, I'd like to quit my job. Just being like, I ain't gonna be here. <laughs> Not gonna be here. That's a. That's a great <laughs> quote from Magic Johnson. That's a great way to quit your job. Shout out to everybody who's quit a job they hated, uh, because you should quit a job you hate, man. Like just do it. Well, and for Magic, like I, I can only assume he's a man who doesn't need the money. And Certainly he, does not. And he, you know, he doesn't need the headache. So unless you're loving it, like I don't really blame the guy, right? Like if you're hating it, there's no reason for him to do it. Like some people, they get kind of stuck in a job that they hate because they need the money or whatever, yeah, whatever. But, perfect but, sense. But I feel like Magic has none of those reasons. Magic can just be like, "Yo, I'm Magic Johnson. I'll do whatever I want." Yeah, he's just um, like, you know what? I'm just gonna leave. Like. Right now. And and we talked about this, I think, last summer when LeBron came a little bit. LeBron coming makes your team better, sure, because LeBron is one of the best, if not the best player in the NBA, right? But there's also a circus that follows LeBron, you know, with all the media and all the attention and all those things. And it also – you also then have to build the team around LeBron, right? Like LeBron is a player who has his deficiencies and – but he has his things he's definitely going to do. So it, it kind of, in a lot of ways, made Magic's job harder yeah. because then he had the player he had to build a team around, right? Well, like he, per- he didn't have a lot of options at that point. Yeah, it permeates out, right? It's like LeBron's here, so we have to do everything LeBron wants. We can't do what the team needs. We have to do what LeBron needs. And then that permeates out another layer where it's like, well, the president has to work with LeBron on all the different, any move you make has to go through LeBron. And then that permeates out even further where like clutch sports who LeBron has a stake in, who manages tons of players, tries to manipulate the field. And the, I I honestly think that entire thing they tried to do with the Anthony Davis. um, I think it was awesome that it blew back in their face because I don't think the Lakers were like, Hey, clutch sports, go and get Anthony Davis and let's burn, let's burn the Pelicans real bad. Let's, let's like get them to like guilt trip them into it and put out all this negative media and all this other crap to manipulate the storylines because that's obviously worked in the past for, for clutch sports and LeBron. Um, Like there's no way LeBron wasn't a part of that strategy meeting. No, there's no way he wasn't part of that strategy meeting. And for that to come burn LeBron, uh, I mean, it goes to show you, like, he's one of the greatest players ever, but he certainly is, he's no, he's no GM. Like, and he's he's really been kind of detrimental to the places that he's left in his wake. Uh, and some of the players and some of the organizations and almost every single coach he's left in his wake, he's been detrimental to them. Well, and and rightfully or wrongfully for the coach part of it, right? Like, you always get that narrative that, oh, it's LeBron's team. You know, he's making some of these decisions and he's telling the coach this needs to happen and that needs to happen. And, you know, whether that's actually happening or not, or it's just something to write about. I think um, a lot of that's to write about because it's like, 
I kind of do want LeBron coaching these like running plays and coaching this team. He's he's a basketball genius. Well, and like, and, and too, it's not like they're you know twelve year olds that don't really know how to play the game or how to set up the game, right? Like these are grown men who've played basketball their entire lives, and you know a, a lot of the coaching is done right behind the scenes, like on the floor. We're not going to do a ton of coaching. Although, I, shout out to Pop. He had the he had my favorite coaching moment of the season against the Mavericks in their last game. Did did you see it by chance? I did not. So they gave Dirk the ball with like a minute to go, and they had been double teaming Dirk like the whole game, <laughs> especially in like the mid range, kind of that like high post area where Dirk, you know, is undoubtedly good. Yeah, yeah. They've been double teaming the whole game. So Lonnie Walker, rookie for the Spurs, comes over to double team and. You can find this clip a lot of places because this is the last basket Dirk makes in his career. Pop is on the sidelines, waving his arms in the air, like as high as he can get them, telling Lonnie Walker to get out of the way so Dirk can make his last shot. Yeah, and he's like, come on, man. It is priceless because, like, Pop is – it's the, the you know, the most demonstrative I think I've ever seen Pop. He's, like, waving his arms in the air as high as they can possibly go, telling him, like, don't double. Don't do it. Like, stop. Let, let Dirk go <laughs> off, you idiot. And, no, then again, Pop was the one instructing them to double him well, earlier in the game. So, like, well, Pop has got to – he's got well, to both ways. Just, now, in, in Pop's defense, right, the Spurs had something to play for. They could move up their playoff seating if they won the game. Yeah. They wanted to win the game, right? But at that point, there was a minute to go. They were ahead by, like, 15. You know what I mean? At that moment, Pop was yeah, like, hey, man. just not the time. Right, just let Dirk get a couple here. Let's, let's you know, go off into the sunset. Pop um, is great. Uh, Dirk is great. Shout out to Dirk. You know, I guess Wade retired too. I'm not going to shout out Wade. Uh, not interested. I didn't catch all of his game because obviously I was watching. That was actually not Dirk's last game, right? That was his last home game in the night where he actually announced he was going to retire, which that kind of caught me by surprise. Just in yeah. the sense that I figured he'd kind of wait and wait and wait. And then like this summer, just one day, like do the Tim Duncan, right? Just one day be like, yeah, I'm not going to play anymore. Like, I don't want to. It's hard. My feet hurt. Uh, I want to, I mean, I'd like to give a shout out to, to Dirk for the last, uh, you know, couple weeks. He, uh, he was kind of, you know, semi-relevant to probably people who are still playing down the stretch. Oh yeah, Dirk. And he stayed relevant his entire career. And whether, you know, it was, maybe he knew it was the end or, or whether, you know, he actually finally got somewhat healthy. Um, he, he looked like he was moving better. He, he threw down a couple dunks, which was he cool did. to see. He threw that dunk. That was awesome. Um, and, and he looked better. And, yeah, he looked – in the last few weeks, it looked like he could have played another season and actually been somewhat relevant. Yeah, I think he could. I, I think it's smart for him to go out on his own, uh, on his own terms. Um, but this guy legitimately last year, last season on totals, was the 51st ranked player last season when he played oh, like 24 minutes a game oh yeah and he's almost a top mean, 50 player you know it, say what you want about dirk still when he gets in that kind of high post range and no no one can guard him yeah <laughs> so we're doing uh the fantasy basketball end of the year awards uh we're you know we're giving you a good uh i guess intro into what was happened over the last week here and i'm actually Going to start out with a word we did not talk about for the show. I'm going to give Dirk the Lifetime Achievement Award for Fantasy Basketball Excellence. Mm. It's only gone to a handful of people. I think Tim Duncan is probably one of them. Um, KG. Uh, I don't know if Chris Paul will get it. Chris Paul seems like somebody who will end up with the fantasy basketball. you got to have a long storied career being fantasy relevant for a very long time. And Dirk uh, might be at the top of that list or at least in the top three uh yeah 21 years right all with the mavericks which was cool Dirk, pretty darn good for every single one of those seasons um yeah he he's just amazing and you know i, I think maybe charles barkley said it best when they he did that little speech post game after their last home game he said you know he's he's maybe the nicest person ever too um which which matters for a lot yeah i think you gotta root with him and luckily he'll be around 
the Mavericks for probably the rest of his life. Um, he will be an ambassador, kind of like Scotty Pippen is or was or something. Uh, Did he, with, the, with the bowl, uh, I think Scotty Pippen just sits courtside with his guys and, and yells at people. I don't know what he does, what kind of an ambassadoring he's doing. Well, I mean, there's a lot of ways to help, right? Especially when you've played at that high level and you, you know, were an, an all-time great player. There's a lot of ways you can help, and and you know, some of these people probably don't listen to you, but uh, you know, I mean, what does a coach do, right? I mean, he just tells people. What, what he thinks they should do. So, I mean, in that well, in that sense, you know, Scotty Pittman might be helping in that way. Yeah, maybe. I, I'm i going <laughs> to – you're giving way too much credit, Tyler. Um, but, yeah, with this the end-of-the-year awards. Congratulations, you guys. You made it to the end of the year. made it to another end of the, uh, another fantasy basketball season. Uh, and I want to give a quick shout-out to Fear the Beard, who won our first annual March Madness tournament because Virginia pulling it off, even though they should have lost, like, three rounds ago and then they should have lost a round after that the round after that uh fear the beard who was not doing very well um ended Does up he... taking first place because he was the only person to get uh the only person to pick virginia to win to win the uh the entire tournament so good for him does he fear your beard uh he should he should yeah. fear my beard um, um that that goes to show you too uh, for everyone who likes to do a million of those bracket challenges um in mo- on most of the sites, especially the big ones, just picking the winner automatically vaults you into like the top twenty five percent of the thing. Yeah, you could because obviously if you pick the winner, you have to pick them in every round. Um, so that those points alone, especially if it's a winner that not everyone's picking, like if if the favorite wins, it's not going to work out. But if you pick any team that's not the favorite, you're automatically like in the top twenty five percent of the thing. Yeah, that, so, that alone gets you, and I'm looking at it right here, 560 points. And, you know, this guy did pretty well in the first two rounds, uh, getting 220 points in the first round, 280 points in the second round. And, you know, just because he got one team right for the last three rounds, that was more points than his first two rounds where he got, like, a majority of the games right. It's much, much harder. I think those games earlier – should be weighted more because it's much harder to get those games right. Than, well, and, and I actually that's it. not true. Statistically, it's actually harder to get the champion right. Well, yeah, because obviously you've got to pick them in because every round. Statistics. Well, well, my point being, if you're if you're throwing a lot of darts, right, or like you just are in some bracket pool that you really want to win, uh, my recommendation would be don't pick the favorite and pick a team that you think has a chance to win. But pick like a top I'm, five team. Right. Well, and I, but and. Uh, for me, a lot of times I, I go for, for coaches, right? Like the big coaches. I go for like a Michigan State, uh, a Duke, you know, if they're not the favorite, uh, a team that looks like they're still pretty strong. Um, obviously, I don't know that has – it's been a while since like a not a top, not top three seed is one, right? So, yeah. I mean, obviously you're going to want to pick like a, still a team that's like in the top three seeds. But, um, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of how you win that thing, just to – tip for next year i guess yeah another good uh march madness it's, it's kind of the it's the best time of the year we got march madness leading into the end of the nba season right into the nba playoffs which are uh upon us already uh they a quick turnover into the Ooh, nba players okay so very very excited about the playoffs three uh, three playoff questions and then we got to get going on this because we wasted I, a lot of time i know already. we wasted every time on these awards okay so three quick playoff questions Team that plays the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. Go. Oh, man. That's a really tough one. I'm going to go with uh, Oklahoma City. All right. I think the winner of that first-round matchup between them and Portland goes, I'm going to go for Portland. Wow. All right. That was a good question. Um, Okay. Last two. Last two on the playoffs. Two teams that play each other in the Eastern Conference Final. Bucks, Raptors. Oh, see, I'm going Celtics and 76ers. Really? You're going the exact opposite. Huh? I'm going the exact opposite. Team that makes it out of the West. Golden State. Out of the East. Out of the oh, East, I'm sorry. Raptors. I'm going for I'm going for Celtics. Interesting. I don't think the Celtics have a that's not true. I think they have a chance, obviously. Uh, I think they'll write the ship. I think they'll get it they'll get it on track. They haven't righted that ship all season and long. Here's here's are, the thing though. They are well coached. 
if they can beat the Bucks and the Sixers make it, they always beat the Sixers. So that's their path, right? They obviously have to beat the Bucks. They have to win in the first round too, don't get me wrong. But they're playing the Pacers, right, who they lost Victor Oladipo. That should be a relatively easy series to win. Then they got to beat the Bucks, who are the you know a great team, but I mean they haven't really done much in the playoffs. I understand they have a new coach and and Giannis is better, but that's a winnable series. And then they got to hope the Sixers win because they always trash the Sixers. And then they're in the finals and they're going to lose to Golden State. Yeah, I think anybody's anybody and everybody's going to lose to Golden State. But you know Houston's really hot, and I actually think. It's kind of sad that we're not going to have the best matchups. We're going to have Raptors, Sixers in the second round. We're going to have probably a Houston, Golden State in the second round. Uh, and honestly, Houston, Golden State might be the best series of the entire. Um, just like it was, there. just like it was last year. Well, and it'll uh, be like a little bit finals. deflating, maybe when we get to that conference finals. That it's like, ah, oh, man, they were just yeah. They might just whoop up on whoever for Oklahoma city, but I don't know. Oklahoma's got that chip on their shoulder. That yeah, could but, be very mm, interesting. I don't know. I, I don't think that's much of a series. I think they just smash them. Yeah. It could get interesting. Maybe you never know. That's the beauty of the NBA players. You never know what's going to happen. Well, and I mean, uh, so, someone could get kicked in the groin and get suspended and, um, uh, somehow uh, lose the entire finals. You never know. Well, and I mean, we've seen it in the past guys get hurt. You know yeah. what I mean? The Rockets weren't Steph the same last year. So, I mean, the Rockets weren't the same last year once Chris Paul got hurt. So That's true. You know, a lot can change. That is very true. So let's get to these uh, fantasy – the annual fantasy basketball awards that we do every single year. We got our standard awards, uh, MVP, Rookie of the Year, uh, Most Improved Player, Defensive Player of the Year. And then we have, you know, some kind of honorable mentions. Like, it was some of the most surprising players, most disappointing players – uh, most hated player, uh, just someone you – and that's just a – like, I hated this guy this year in fantasy basketball. You can hate him for any any reason you particularly want. It's a wide open – it's kind of like it's very – it's up to you, the person's interpretation what a most valuable player is. Most ha- hated player, it's up to your interpretation. Uh, the most picked up player, so someone who kept getting dropped and picked up and dropped picked up all season long. And then uh, one that's of my Mike's personal personal favorite award. He loves that award every year. That, the most picked. That up. is my favorite. It's the. Uh, it used to be called the waiver wire horror <laughs> award, the triple W. But uh, the, the company <laughs> made me change the name. The triple W. I like yeah. that. That's my favorite. The company made me change the name on that one, and um, uh, most promising. So, like you, know, maybe someone to look forward to next year. And I don't. I don't have. I'm going to be making my most promising pick on the fly. I have a few picks in mind, but uh, let's just get started with the top of the charts. Uh, MVP of the year, and uh, we actually split on MVP of the year, Tyler, which seems hard to do because you can just I, look at the rankings and just go, "Well, this guy's number one." So, well, and and here's why I think you blew this. Now, y- yours is is more of a sentimental pick, I guess, because no. You, that's but, I have a good reason. Um, so as far as looking just at value too, it wasn't just that that James Harden was the best player; he was the best player by a significant margin. Um, you know, we talk about adding up, you know, kind of <clears throat> Z scores. His was one point one point two seven. No other person was over one. So he was that and a quarter better than pretty much everybody else. It's pretty um, good. He averaged 36 points. You know, he averaged almost five three-pointers, 6.6 rebounds, 7.5 assists, 2.1 steals, 0.7 blocks, shot good percentages on high volume. Yeah, James Harden was the best, and I really don't see how you went with this other guy, although I did uh, mention he was – it was surprising that he ranked as high as he did. Yeah, and I, and and actually, this is the reason why most valuable means uh, different things to different people when they're doing it in the regular season, and a fancy basketball can mean different things too. James Harden most likely got picked first or maybe even second in your league, but Paul George probably might have got picked up in the second round, maybe even in the middle of the second round. So, uh, so here's my question: league. and where you picked him, he was easily the most valuable player. Because and I, I almost I almost gave him most improved award because to go from someone who is a second round in the first round second player to the second best player 
uh, in the league is is in, is is just as hard to do than going from seventieth to thirtieth. You know, I I'll give you that. And if you would have picked him in that category, I would have been fine with it. But if you're gonna you look at your MVP that way, then why wasn't it Vucevic, who went probably outside the top? Vucevic wasn't a top uh, top top player. He was tenth in total was, value, and he went he outside the top fifty. He yeah. was tenth. I mean, I think Bush might get the most approved player. Right. Well, and, and and I'm not talking most approved. Like, if you're going to look at MVP as, like, a player who most outperformed their va- their draft day value, to me it was Vooch. To be a, a first-round pick in any league, right? Like, pretty much every league is at least 10 teams from a player that was outside the top 50. And in some leagues, like, now not mostly in leagues I was in because once it got to like pick 50, I was not passing up Vooch because I figured he'd have a strong season. Now I didn't expect he would be in the top 10, but there were leagues I saw that people sent me like, yeah, I got Vucevic at like 65. And yeah, you know what I mean? So to me, like you had to pick Paul George in that second round. So if you're going to make your MVP cases, I'm, like the I'm person, not making, who, I'm not making it based off that. I'm making it based off of if he was the most important player on your fantasy basketball team. And I think for a lot of teams, Paul George was the most important player on their fantasy basketball team because of the leap he took, because of his absurd steals, because of his great scoring and three-point. And and uh, a lot of people probably took him because they were like, I'm at the end of the I'm at the end of the first round, beginning of the second round. Uh, I didn't get a shot at any of the top guys. Well, they got a top guy. And that's well, and and this was maybe one of our better calls. I mean, I think in the preseason I was advocating to pick Paul George in that first round. That, he probably was the reason you won or or probably finished fairly well this year. Yeah, that's fair. Shout out to uh, Vucevic, though. He should also get an honorable mention. So honorable mention MVP, third in MVP voting is Vucevic. Good for him. Let's go on to the next award. I've already forgotten which it was. Oh, it's, oh, it's the Rookie of the Year. And uh, we're split again here, Tyler. Um, I know you got your boy. And so you got to go with him. And I'm, I'm just going to let you wax on about him. Go ahead. Um, so if I'm looking at a rookie that I want for, for next year, right, and we can we could already say he had the best stats. And I know, I know, Trey Young was good after the All-Star break. Yeah, what you forgot is Luka Doncic was just as good and getting more rebounds. Now, he couldn't match his assist numbers. Um, Trey Young averaged 8.1 assists. Luka only averaged six assists a game. Um, but looking forward, right, the kid averaged 21.2 points, 2.3 three-pointers, 7.8 rebounds, 6 assists, 1.1 steals, 0.3 blocks. The percentages weren't great. Um, I think that's going to be where he takes the big leap forward next year. I think he could quickly be a guy who averages like 24, 25 points a game. The assist or the assist numbers are probably going to go up a little bit. The rebound numbers are probably going to go up a little bit. Kristaps Porzingis not a great rebounder. Luka Doncic averaged close to ten rebounds a game down the stretch once the Mavericks made all those trades. So if they don't bring in a center that's a big rebounder, he could get you like eight nine rebounds a game next year. I just think you know he had a great fantasy season. I think he's the best fantasy rookie in this class. Yeah, I and think that. Um... I mean, yeah, he's great, and we all love Luca, um, and he's obviously the rookie of the year in real life, right? Like, I mean, that's not even a question. Um, yeah, so I I wrote a, a nice piece about five reasons he deserved the award, and in, in the last one, I compared him to Trey Young, and I I wasn't trying to hate on Trey Young, right? Because Trey Young had a great season, but there were literally assists and one one advanced metric that Trey Young rated better for the full season. So if you're making a Trey Young case over Luca for rookie of the year, um, it's got to mostly be based on like post all-star break production, which we talk about isn't even half the season. And I, I don't know. I just think that's a mistake. Like it's a rookie of the year, not rookie of the last 20 games. That's true. You got to be good all year. And uh, Trey Young was great down the stretch, but uh, Luca was great all year long. And Hey, shout out to Trey Young, who uh, everybody had a good laugh when that, that trade went down. And Trey Young looks pretty legit; like he looks good. He's not a bust. So a lot of a lot of people thought he was going to be, and he's not. And I, I, I'm pretty pleased <laughs> with that. But you know, Trey Young is not my rookie of the year. Honorable um, 
So um, it, it, is the Hawks GM a scary guy going forward? I don't know. Because he, he kind of nailed that, that trade there. I mean, uh, a broken clock is right twice a day, right? I guess, but I mean, they're building kind of a an interesting team, and then they could have two top ten picks this year. That's um, true. I mean, the Hawks, uh, I think they brought in a lot more uh, front office talent uh, over this year. I think they maybe scammed some people off the West Coast. Uh, and that's what they need to do. It's certainly what the Bulls need to do, Tyler, to get some better people in the front office. But we can't go there uh, today. I want to give a shout-out to all the pretty – by the way, pretty good rookie class. Uh, a lot of people didn't think it'd be that great. And you got, what, three, six guys who are in the top 100 on total value for eight categories um, with Colin Sexton and Jaron Jackson Jr. kind of falling up the back uh, in total value and per game value. You know, uh, I like Wendell Carter Jr. next year, Jaron Jackson Jr. next year. Mitchell Robinson uh, got honorable mention as my rookie of the year. Uh, due to the fact that he probably swung a lot of leagues down the stretch with all those blocks. Um, but my number one rookie of the year is DeAndre Ayton. Um, he only played 30 minutes a game, averaged 16-10, uh, two assists, almost a steal, almost a block a game. He had a great field goal percentage. And all around, he's just this really solid, dependable big man who doesn't really hurt you anywhere. You know, two assists could go could be better. He's not hitting threes, so that's a problem when it comes to the modern big man. But sixteen and ten, it, it, with good free throw percentage, good field goal percentage, plus a block and a steal, that's hard to come by. He ended up finishing per game forty first, and uh, per totals forty third. So that's Is shout it, out it, to DeAndre. Aiden. I will say that he's probably the my maybe my most likely rookie to own next year because I don't think he got a lot of hype. No, I think but, no one watched a Phoenix game this year. I certainly didn't. And I think if if the the big sites make the mistake of ranking him kind of outside that top fifty, he could be a nice draft day little bargain there. Whereas you're gonna see Luca and Trey Young like probably going in that second third round kind of range, and you know. We're talking fourth, fifth round for Aiton, and Aiton may be just as good for fantasy because, you know, like you mentioned, he, he got 16 and 10. He's one of those guys, though, like – Not a lot of rebounders out there anymore. Well, and he's one of those guys that he kind of can do everything other than three-pointers, so – And are we sure that three-pointers will never be in his game? No, no, no. And, and I don't swear off anybody – at this point, making three pointers when, sure. when we've seen some of these guys like never shoot a three pointer for five years into their career. Was that Marcus Sol? Yeah, Marcus Sol did it. There was there's been numer- there's been numerous big men in the last couple years that have done that. Like they've literally played five, six, seven, eight, nine years, like never shot a three pointer, and then they start averaging like over one a game. I think I saw Robin Lopez shoot a three pointer. Uh, dude, Salah Mesri for the Mavericks who like was always just kind of a, a low post guy like toward the, down the stretch of the season when he was actually playing like 18, 20 minutes, he was firing like four, three pointers a game. That's wild. Even Boban hit a three. That's what I mean. Like the, the, the league is trying to get everybody to do it. So I'm not, I'm going to assume that Aiton eventually does it. Um, but yeah, he's just one of those guys. Even that DeMar kinda... DeRozan hit a three. <laughs> but Aiton though, is one of those guys who can help you in every category. And you know, we talked That's about true. the, those guys being, you know, kind of good stuffers in that 50 to 60 range. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't really hurt you anywhere. Uh, Luka Doncic in a head-to-head league maybe a little more preferable, but in a, in a Roto league, he, th- there are some issues with Luka Doncic's current game. Uh, but both of those guys will probably get better with time. Uh, the next award that we have is the most improved award, and we were on the same page here. Uh, it is, it's got to be Pascal Siakam. This guy came out of nowhere. And he ended up finishing eight cat total value at a twenty seventh overall, ahead of Clay Thompson for the year. Uh, congratulations, Pascal Siakam. Yeah, and when when you go from literally undrafted in almost every league to a top thirty player, um, it's it's almost impossible not to pick you. But I will give two shout outs um, that I think actually I'll give three. Uh, D'Angelo Russell finishing nineteenth. Okay, yeah. A really great year from D'Angelo. Don't think he's going to be overlooked next year, especially yep. with this playoff uh, with this playoff performance he's about to have. 
and and two Sacramento Kings, Buddy Heald finishing twenty fourth and De'Aaron Fox finishing twenty fifth. Really, that is much higher than I thought they would be. Uh, wow! A shout out to them, and also those are two guys. Now they did play what eighty one and eighty two games, um, but those are two guys I'd be keeping an eye on next year because they did not get a lot of publicity last year, and I don't think they'll get a lot of publicity going into the season next year either. And and here's maybe a an overarching point that we can we can talk about a little bit, um, and I think we'll talk about more this summer. You talked about there's not many guys grabbing ten rebounds, assists. If you get a lot of assists, like if you're over seven assists a game, that gives you a huge, huge boost to your value, because Absolutely. there's just not many guys getting seven assists. Like seven assists per game from D'Angelo Russell gave you two point one four. Uh, Z score, which is really good and, and pretty elite. Um, so anyone who's getting seven assists is someone you want to look for next year. Yeah, three three of those top 12 seven-plus assist guys are actually forwards. Yeah, so, I mean, then that's great. So, you know, keep it like, and like you said, De'Aaron Fox is up there, and then Trey Young, uh, who could be increasing his assists next year. Uh, I think that would be Nice to see. And you also have some guys who um, are sneaking up on that seven assist mark, um, like Devin Booker and uh, down the stretch, Bradley Beal. So these are guys who I, I don't think I would ever expect. You know, Luka Doncic makes sense. Kim Walker, okay. Giannis even, yeah, that, that, of course. But uh, I never thought I'd see like Booker and, and Bradley Beal become kind of like a, a, a super versatile point guard like that. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, you got to think the Suns are probably going to pick a point guard um, because unless they win the first pick and get Zion, they're not going to pick – they're not going to want to pick another shooting guard, small forward type, are they? Like, they just keep picking those, and I don't understand why. So you got to think they're going to try to pick either Darius Garland or, you know, John Morant. So that could change Booker's game a little bit, and it'll be really interesting to see what the Wizards do too because, well – you know, they're not going to have John Wall. They're going to pay him big money. Do they just kind of tank the season? Do they trade Beal? Do they keep Beal? What was what goes on? That's going to be, really be a interesting. real mess. But uh, luckily, John Wall will be out for quite a bit. Uh, not for John Wall or any John Wall fans, but for uh, uh, me, who has Bradley Beal next year in his keeper league. Uh, I'm going to invent a, 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 a award real quick, Tyler. I'm going to invent one. Most boring player. And it's because I saw this guy's name. And I was like, oh, man, that guy's boring. Uh, Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is boring. And Drew Holiday is good. He was the 20th ranked player in totals for ACAT leagues this year, uh, only playing 67 games and still getting 20th. Uh, I don't think at one point this season I was like, man, Drew Holiday. Never said it once. Yeah. I'm with you there, and it'll be interesting to see if Anthony Davis goes. Do they trade Holiday too, or is he kind of the face of that team next year? And if he is, can he keep up the really good efficiency with maybe not a lot around him? Maybe. I don't know. Um, a lot a lot to be figured out this offseason, and throughout this offseason, we will be sure uh, to keep you updated on the fantasy impact of, obviously, the lottery the NBA draft, and once free agency opens, hey, guys, NBA basketball never stops. It's 12 months a year. It's 365. And uh, we will, if there's something big that happens, we will be bringing you a podcast to recap that throughout the summer. So I hope you can stay with us uh, throughout the summer and keep supporting the show, patreon.com slash watching the boxes. Shout out to everybody who still supports the show. We've got a few more awards to get through. Um, Defensive player of the year. Uh, I actually had the guy we were just talking about, Anthony Davis. That guy is a monster. Like, yeah, and deals, blocks, rebounds. He's a monster. It was a great pick, but he he kind of killed teams down the stretch with the Pelicans limiting his minutes That's and true. limiting his games. So the guy I went with um, was Andre Drummond, and I went with him mostly because he is elite in the three defensive categories we talk about. Right, rebounds, fifteen point six. Nobody matched that this season. And then he gave you 1.7 steals and 1.8 blocks. So, you know, he played 79 games, so he was there the whole season. He got his free throw percentage up a little bit this year. Now it was still bad. 
But I feel like if you had Drummond on your team, you did really well in those three defensive categories. So he was my defensive player of the year. I like that. He was also great. Um, and he finished 14th, and that's not punting free throws. Honestly, I might have to add Andre Drummond to my surprise value uh, because I didn't think he would be 14th, and that is a surprise to me. Uh, Tyler, give me two of your favorite uh, most surprising players this season. Um, so I mentioned Vucevic. I think that one was probably my most surprising, right? We talk about how hard it is for people to vault into the top 10. Almost impossible. Vucevic coming kind of out of nowhere to do it was was really crazy for me. Um, probably my next guy was LaMarcus Aldridge, who finished 18th. And, I mean, he's he's an old guy, right? Like, we know he's been good for years, but for him to kind of take that leap up into the top 20 again. Yeah, um, should which, we – I mean, I don't know. Should we be surprised, Tyler? He's been uh, – other than that year with, with Sacramento, last year he was 13th in totals. And, should and you have been surprised, or is it because everyone hates – but Marcus Aldridge, but see, and that's, in fantasy, he's always really good. I guess that's maybe the point I want to make here, and maybe, maybe the surprise wasn't the right word, but you know, old and good is usually still old and good until it's not. People were more excited about Luka Doncic than Lamarcus Aldridge this year, and I bet you some people took Luka. I, I guarantee that happens next year LaMarcus. too. Probably, and uh, well, there's no reason I'd see Lamarcus Aldridge not finishing finishing in the top 25 once again. Uh, always great. And that's what I mean. And players like you know everyone gets hot on guys like Ben Simmons, right? Darren Fox might be a player like that next year. Luka Doncic, Trey Young, like Lamarcus Aldridge finished better than all of them. That's and right. He's probably he's gonna, gonna do it again. Probably. And. Love, and he's yeah. just a super efficient player too, which you gotta love that if you're a roto guy, right? Like fifty-one percent from the field, forty-seven or eighty-seven percent on his free throws. You know, um, efficiency matters. Yeah. I'd like to give an honorary most boring award to Lamarcus Aldridge. I know, I, I, you're handing out those most boring like go, crazy. Go, go look at his uh, game log. It's like, oh boy. I think I got your most surprising player, oh, and this man. is kind of on the. 20, 20 and 6, 10 and 9, 20 and 7. Now, oh, so bored. So here's the player I'm going to pick that you think was the most surprising. And it was only because I told you he was ranked 30th per game. So other than Andre Drummond, because I had no idea. It was, was Don Mitchell, right? Donovan Mitchell finished 30th in totals this year, playing 77 yeah. games. I, I still don't believe it. I think there's a typo or some sort of error. Um, I actually, Donovan Mitchell, I was considering being in my most disappointing, uh, until you were like, no, Donovan Mitchell on totals, uh, 30th overall. And I was like, what? That that doesn't make any sense. Uh, completely missed the, the boat on Donovan Mitchell. I know he had a really, really good second half, um, but still scored a bunch was, uh, pretty good at everything. It ended up shooting 43%. And from field goal, so like he got that percentage back up and almost a half a block a game, which is underrated. Yep. And here's the other thing I'll say: Utah guys, other than Donovan Mitchell, probably slip too far in your drafts next year. Rudy Gobert, seventeenth again. Yeah, we like we like Rudy Gobert going into this season. Again, he was a top twenty player, and you'll probably see him going outside the top twenty. Joe Ingles, in forty fourth. Again, you'll see him going outside the top fifty. Uh, Utah is just one of those teams where their guys don't usually get enough love. Hell, uh, Derek Favors could have been um, in the mix for our uh, our next award, which is the most picked up. Uh, the most picked up award. Derek Favors was on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues. Derek Favors finished 73rd overall in totals. Maybe you should have. Um, maybe you should have kept him on your team, guys. You blew it on the most picked up player. I don't think so. I I think because I th- I know I think it was this guy. Now most picked up. Okay, there's a lot of ways you can look at this. You yeah. mentioned that it's on and off and on and off and on and off. Yeah, this guy pick, off, got right? picked up by like six people in your in your league. He right? wouldn't. He couldn't stay on a team. Um, but the guy I was gonna go with was Montrez Harrell. 
because I feel like there was a like a stretch in that early season where he was kind of up down up down up that's down. That's true because he wasn't and, playing a lot of minutes. That's absolutely true. Right, and then he caught on, and he ended up being a top fifty player. He ranked forty seventh for the season, so he was kind of up and down and up and down and up and down. And then one team maybe finally snagged him and kept a hold of him, and they got a top fifty player out of that. So that was the guy I was going to go with. Okay, most, well, most picked up. I almost went with our boy Emmanuel Moutier because we mentioned him in every single waiver wire, but we also mentioned this other guy in every single waiver wire episode we did. And that was Shea Gildas Alexander, um, who ended up finishing in the top 100. He was 83rd. Now he 80, played all. He played all 82. But if he, if you just would have kept him all season, you would have had the 80, what third, 84th, best 83rd, player, 83rd best player in the ranked league. Ranked ahead of John Collins. Now John Collins played 20 less games, but that's true. He ranked ahead of Paul Millsap, who played 70 games. He ranked ahead of Ricky Rubio. Like, Shea Gill just was good. All right, before we get into the final awards, I want to give a quick shout-out to one of the guys I wanted to do in my most surprising, Brooke Lopez. Bro-lo. Not, surpri- not surprising that he's good, but Brooke Lopez reinventing himself as a Steph Curry shooting uh, center is is was incredibly surprising. Yeah, and he came back from the uh... – but nothing, right? In that season for the Lakers, he was basically dropped in most leagues by the end of it, and he was the 31st ranked player. So uh, that and- is pretty good. Uh, two over two blocks, over two threes. That's a rare stat. Yeah, um, and and it, but owning him is is such a weird. It's such a weird way to fill your center spot, right? Because you're only getting 12 points, which is not great. You're only getting four rebounds. So he's the great. He's the best like punt rebounds guy. That's true because he's and, barely getting five rebounds. Right, and then you're getting two threes and two blocks on pretty good percentages, right? Like if you're a team that's going guard heavy stats, like he's great because he doesn't get you a ton of assists, but he's gonna be a guy. Those two blocks, like we talk about guys getting blocks, right? There was very few men that got two blocks a game this season. Yeah, so he he kind of probably kept you afloat, like if in he made you not the worst team in that. So if it was a head to head league, you probably could beat a couple teams, maybe just on the back of Brooke Lopez alone. And then you got the two threes, you know, to go along with it, which definitely helped you in that category. I just feel like Brooke Lopez, if you built the team, you know, the right kind of team, Brooke Lopez was probably one of the more valuable players on it. Yeah. And like, since he doesn't get those rebounds, you got a lot of guards hitting threes. He has two, two threes to your game. Like uh, overall, like, he definitely was, I think, a game changer in quite a few leagues. Um, shout out to Brooke Lopez. But uh, I'm glad he rebounded from that uh, that experience. Oh, is that a in, pun? In LA. Is that a pun, Mike? Did you just pun? Maybe. But uh, not only that, I'm, I'm expertly segueing into another disappointing season that happened in L.A., but not last year, but this year. Tyler, who's your most disappointing? We had we agreed on the most disappointing on the most disappointing player. Um, it was LeBron James, and uh, I, LeBron. I don't. Think, <laughs> I, I, I don't think you can debate this one much. And I made this case to Mike at the beginning of uh, before we you know we first started talking tonight about doing this. He was the only first round player, right? The only player that probably mostly anyone picked in the first round who knew what they were doing that didn't finish in the top 15 or 20. You know I mean, like, like all those other first round guys, like even if you went with Kawhi Leonard, he only played 60 games, but he still finished 21st in total values. All those other guys that were first round picks were all way up there. LeBron finished 49th. Now it was partially because he only played 55 games, but sure. he killed you in free throws. His stats fell a little bit, right? He didn't play as many games. He was barely a top 50 player. And I think unless you had unless you picked LeBron and Paul George, you probably didn't win your league if you picked LeBron in the first round this year. Yeah, I'm really going to doubt uh, too many people. Unless they perfectly built around LeBron James um, and won enough of their head-to-head leagues and then figured out how to win in the playoffs without him, uh, which I really doubt. So maybe he got you to the playoffs, but that's as far as he got you. And I was looking for somebody else to be – most disappointing player. Uh, like that's when I st- started thinking about Donovan Mitchell, and you were like, "No, he was actually really good." Uh, and the only guy who got honorable mention here, because it's definitely LeBron, is a CJ McCollum, who uh, 
kind of considered a kind of a in the past a third fourth round pick ended up a 70th overall in uh eight cat total value so that's uh that's a pretty fall far uh fall far yeah that's the way you say it a fall a far fall for cj yeah. mccollum yeah, I, I'll give you that one. That was pretty disappointing. Um, I'll mention Otto Porter, who finished 113. Okay, yeah, um, very good mention. You know he, you know we talked about him being a pretty safe guy and, and a good guy to get. Um, yeah, I'll mention that. And then you got another one of your awards that you're gonna give give this player to, I think. But uh, Gordon Hayward was also. I mean, he p- finished picked in the top 50. Finished 117th. That was pretty disappointing as well. Yeah. In fact, Gordon Hayward won this next award for me uh, with flying colors, the most hated award. Uh, and that means literally whatever you want it to mean, however you hated this person, however you hated the, a situation. If you hated a coach, you, one of the coaches could be the, your most hated player or person of the fantasy basketball year. If you hated uh, one of the coaches' rotations that allowed you to not win any games uh, that's perfectly fine tyler uh but i went with gordon hayward because uh, as someone who should be uh, uh bounced back and promising he just never started he never played well he never could be consistent and uh just really a worthless season for anyone who tried to hold on to him to gain value at all out of him you couldn't and, and then he teased this with like a 30 point game and you know yeah a, a tease here and a tease there it wasn't that- like he was always terrible it was like he was so mediocre that occasionally you'd be like, well, maybe next week. Um, and for going forward, right, depending on what the Celtics team looks like, right, do they make the big Anthony Davis trade? And that that's we'll just throw all that out and assume that they're relatively back to, the, to this squad again. What the heck are we going to do with Gordon Hayward next year? He still shot 46% and 83%. So uh, th- those yeah. were good. He still got you four and a half rebounds and 3.4 assists in 26 minutes a game. So, like, it's going to be one of those players that could kind of shift your league because if he goes outside of the top 100 and and the team, what, whatever team he's on, if it's Boston, if it's whoever, commits to giving him, like, 30 minutes, we're, we're talking about a pretty damn interesting fantasy guy. You know, we, we talk about those second, uh, that first and second plateau, and um... – He's easily someone who could finish in the at the top of that first plateau next year, uh, even playing like 31 minutes a game. Uh, I think if he falls into that second plateau, that 75 late and later in the in that group, you're looking for upside. Uh, and Gordon Hayward's got very good upside. So you know, once you get into that that later those later rounds, I don't know how. I don't think Gordon Hayward should fall past 100 next year. Yeah, and, and that's what I mean. Like, he could be definitely a guy who swings leagues because if he's rated like inside the top fifty again, and people are picking him there, and he busts, he could definitely you know hurt your team. If he's going at pick a hundred, and people pick him there, and he finishes in the top thirty or forty again, like we've seen him do in the past, he's maybe going to swing your league that way. So, hell, if um, he finishes fiftieth overall, if you pick him on a hundred, that's pretty nice. That's what I mean. So he's definitely going to be a, a divisive player um, moving forward. So I my hated so. is going to go to an entire team. Wow. Damn, um, Tyler. I thought I was the hater on this podcast. And, and it's the Minnesota Timberwolves. And mostly, you know, they still had talent who I love. And they have a lot of players who I love. But they were just so shady. And, and I'll throw the Knicks in there as, a, as an honorable mention for me because Fizdale ruined the rotation the whole season. You can, but, hate, you can hate Fizdale. I think that's fair as an honorable mention. Um, but Minnesota, like, they were just so shady with those injuries, right? Like, when Robert Covington went down, they didn't make it seem that bad, and then he ended up missing the whole rest of the season and only played 35 games. They yeah, did that, that was kind of unforgivable, that, the Covington situation. They did that on-again, off-again thing with Jeff Teague for a while where, like, it was the same injury, and then he'd play, like, two or three games at 30 minutes, then he'd sit out for another two or three games, and that didn't make any sense. Um, they did some weird stuff with Derrick Rose, like this this whole Minnesota team, and the I, I don't know what what I want to call it, what the right word is, the craziness with the injuries, the secretiveness with the injuries. Like if the guy's hurt, just tell us, just say, ah, hey, he's gonna be out for two weeks. He's gonna be out for like like when Robert Covington got hurt, there's no way they couldn't have been like, yeah, he's gonna be out for at least a month. You know what I mean? Like just say that. Yeah. No, you don't. You don't have to give, give us, us some like, accuracy. This isn't like football or hockey, where like the teams are going to use it against you. It's like, well, and here's the Robert other thing. Is obviously out. Well, and here's the other thing too. Like, 
they're they were announcing Covington was out a lot of times the night before. So it's like the team had plenty of time to change their game plan. Yeah. So why didn't you just announce that he's out for a month? You know what I mean? And then or no the one... season because apparently that was the what happened. Well, then, you know, I, I get especially some semi early on. You don't necessarily want to announce that because what if the player, you know, gets better faster than you think he's going to? I mean, that's always a possibility. And like, if they're not having surgery or anything, like, right, most surgeries have a pretty strict timeline. But if it's just something that is non-surgical, you might heal faster than they think and get back on the court. So I get that. But like, you know, I'm I'm always fine with at least a month. You know, two to three months. He's out two to three months. There's a big gap in two to three months. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but don't just go, ah, well, maybe we'll see. He's out a week or whatever. And then like the next week, oh, he's out for another week. And, you know, that stuff just is annoying for fantasy. And I don't really see the competitive advantage in it. Maybe somebody could explain that to me. Like, what is the competitive advantage of saying he's out for a week and then the next Monday saying he's out for a week? Like, are those teams really thinking that far ahead? Like, yeah, that's completely confusing. Yeah, it makes zero to me, it makes zero sense, and I honestly have no idea. I have no idea what the hell they were thinking. Um, so, yeah, most hated team. Tyler takes the entire state of Minnesota down with him uh, in in his hate award. The sad part is I love that team, and I love so many players on it. Well, it's too late now. They are not. They don't allow you in the stadium anymore, and um, I'm not sure you're going to be welcomed in the state of Minnesota anymore. Oh man, how will I live? Yeah, I I can't go that far in Minnesota because uh, sometimes I like to sometimes I like to vacation there, and I'd like to I'd like to continue to uh, visit the fine state of Minnesota with the fine people <laughs> of Minnesota. Um, shout out to people who drink Grain Belt up in Minnesota, the best grain beer in Minnesota. This is a, a free ad for Grain Belt beer, uh, apparently. Maybe if they'll you send skip- you, dude. Maybe if you clip that and and send it to them, maybe they'll send you a sixer. Yo, uh, I think they would. Um, in fact, Grainbow, if you want to sponsor the show, like we're interested, we'll do it for beer. Um, the final award in this was it 2019? Jeez, wow, sorry, 2019, 2018. Too. When you've done this many fancy seasons, you know it's been. It's been a long. No, let's face it. Mike's, life, Mike's just out of touch with reality. He didn't know today was Thursday. He didn't know how much pint of milk costs. He's just out of touch with reality. What's a what's a pint of milk like? Twenty bucks, twenty five dollars. <laughs> Who knows? Nobody knows. Nobody cares. Um, yeah, it's been a weird week for me. It's been a weird month for me. Uh, the 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 final third of this fantasy season felt like an entire season in itself. It's a long one um yeah i mean i I don't know i always think when we get especially if you're in a lot of head-to-head leagues when the playoffs get it's always a little more hectic right because you're trying to maximize every matchup and that can get a little bit crazy and um yeah i don't know man the the playoffs got crazy in my leagues this year i can tell you that i lost i got eliminated in two playoffs by we tied in steals and that person beat me by tying me in steals in two two of my leagues. So that was kind of a bittersweet way to end, uh, end your season. Yeah. That that sounds like a a shit way to end your season. Uh, but the final, the final award tonight is the most promising award. And, um, this is going to go to the guy that play either played well or played perfectly fine this season. But as someone that Ooh, we, see, we now, think is thought, the most promising. I thought you were going a different way with this award. Like, I thought maybe you were going with, like, you know, he's the next D'Angelo Russell or the next guy who's, like, going to take that leap. Well, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That's, that's exactly okay. where I'm going. Right. But now he's going to be, like, a top, you know, whatever guy. You know, and I, it's yeah. always a little crazy to say, like, top 20 because – it's really hard to get in the top 20, but like maybe he's like a 50 guy and he's going to go up to like a 30 guy or you know, he's yeah. a 70 guy to a 50 guy. That's something in that kind of. Yeah. I think, I think that's kind of where I'm going with this. It's uh kind of like someone you like really want to hitch your wagon to next season. doesn't have to be a sleeper, uh, but someone who maybe played well this year, maybe didn't play so well, but uh, in the next few years uh, or even just next season could be incredibly good. Uh, someone who moves their way up 
into maybe that that third tier. Um, it gets out of the plateau region and into the tiers. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to uh, copyright the uh, the tiers. Sorry. <laughs> I don't think I can copyright the word tier though. Um. Yeah, I mean that whole copyright thing is is crazy. The uh, plateau, fancy plateaus and fancy tiers. You don't think you think that's copyrighted by now? I don't think so. I think that's all you. Although you better not release this podcast because someone might oh, shit. might go in there and take. If it. any of you listeners, in a if I go to the copyright office, I find out this is copyrighted after last week, in, sometime in the in, in the after April eleventh, I'm gonna find your ass. I promise. Um, so man, this one was a really hard one for me because That's there's tough. a lot, there's a lot of guys I like, right? And there's a lot of guys who probably wouldn't sound that surprising if you picked, There's a right? lot of promising guys out there. Um, so, so maybe I'll let you mention a guy first here and then I'll mention a couple guys. Um, if you got one that you're ready to mention and if not, I will just mention well, my couple then. I, I, I got a couple, uh, cause I really couldn't pick on one. Um, and I, actually, you know, I think I'll pick one, but I'll give honor mention the other one. Um, Kelly Oubre Jr. Ooh, all right, a good 20, pick. Worried years about, old. Worried about that, but I okay. am worried about him too. But this is why I feel like he might be the most promising player. Uh, once he was allowed to play, you know, thirty-two plus minutes a game when he moved to Phoenix. Uh, he turned into a very good, almost uh, basically an Otto Porter-esque type player who did everything fairly well. Um, and if he could, you know, improve a little bit at the age of 23, and here's the key thing, we've talked about this before, get 32 minutes a game next season, uh, I think a lot of people will have Kelly Oubre off the radar, uh, and he will be incredibly promising Um I have my honorable mention though, and it's uh, Miles Turner. Miles Turner had a really good season, and I think a lot of people after last season were kind of out on him. And I find it pretty promising that he had such a good season that he continues, and I think this is the most promising thing, continues to lead his team after Oladipo went down into the playoffs, and is is kind of getting a, a a bigger role, hitting more threes. And still keeping those blocks uh, up around two blocks per game. So those are my those are my two young promising guys, both twenty three years old. Um, so I'll go with the guy you mentioned, Mitchell Robinson. Right? We talk about him. If he could ever get, you know, even twenty eight to thirty minutes a game, he's looking very, very promising. Right? Very promising. Though you uh, gotta wonder if the the white side uh, white side syndrome is gonna happen where. He, you know, Whiteside was getting like five blocks a game, and then they're like, "You should play well, regular defense." And he's like, "Oh, and well, he's down to like two blocks again." I think we always see that, but we we mentioned not that many guys getting two blocks, so I think that's that was another reason why Miles Turner was a great pick. Absolutely, not that, not that many guys getting that many blocks. Okay, we so on, even we if, were on Miles Turner, this even year. if he still stays at like two two blocks, he could probably get you over and steal a game, and he's probably going to push closer to ten rebounds. And then he's got kind of two elite categories plus the steal. If he can get to like 14, 15 points, like Mitchell Robinson becomes super, super interesting then. And he's not the worst free throw shooter. Right? So I think that's that's kind of a guy that I was putting in my cross. I like that. Going, I like him. Going, yeah, all right. You know, I, I can see some potential here to to be great, right? And I guess maybe that's what we're looking for in this yeah, award, Yeah, potential right? to be great. Um, It's potential to be, to be great. Um. A couple other guys, Laurie Markinen, right? He had a great 52 Ooh. games. I felt like – even I felt like too much of a homer saying Laurie Markinen, but he is incredibly promising. He averaged 9.1 rebounds a game this year, which I did not see that coming. Yeah. And that was with, you know, Robin Lopez on the floor. Like, Robin Lopez is a very good rebounder, very good offensive rebounder. And uh, I – I love the idea of him and Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, being able to spread the floor out both. Um, and, and Wendell Carter Jr.'s defense to Lowry's offense. So, like, both of those guys are on my radar for next year. Um, yeah, and then maybe a third guy, and this one might be a surprise to you, and he's kind of in the same vein as uh, Mitchell Robinson, and this was another very terrible move by the Lakers, right? Thomas Bryant. 
in 20 minutes a game, Thomas Bryant was pretty relevant. And, you know, we look at per 36 minute numbers. He was the 84th ranked player. Now there's a lot of guys in, in this basketball monster list who've only played like one or two or three games. Um, but, you know, look at some of the guys like Thomas Bryant finished ahead of in per 36, DeMar DeRozan, Clay Thompson, Eric Favors, Otto Porter, Julius yeah. Randle. Like, like that's a lot of really good talent. Rudy Gobert below him. Um, so I don't know. I just think Thomas Bryant could be an interesting guy if he ever got to be a starting center for somebody. Another guy who's going to get a lot of rebounds, block a few shots, shoot really good percentages. Um, yeah. No, I mean, the, those are all really good promising guys. And that's it for our uh, annual Fancy Basketball Awards. It's been a great season this year. It's been great having you guys uh, listen to the podcast and support the podcast through patreon.com slash watching the boxes. Uh, we will still be bringing you this podcast throughout the summer. We plan on talking about uh, dynasty leagues. We're going to be doing uh, probably a rookie draft right after the, right after the actual rookie draft. Uh, we'll be talking about the free agents that come across and uh, really – any topic that uh, you guys are interested promising some of these promising players we're probably going to elaborate a little bit more on uh, and do a deep dive into uh, maybe possible sleepers for next year where we have people ranked and like i said if you have a topic that you want us to uh, to look into if there's something that you as a listener want to hear reach out to us give us feedback you can find me at watch the boxes on twitter you can find tyler at Tyler P. Watts, or you can get a hold of us through patreon.com slash watching the boxes. Thanks for listening all season, guys. Like, you've been great. You've been really supportive. And, um, you know, this has been our best season yet. And hopefully, next season's even better. Thanks for uh, everything you guys do. And we'll see you soon. <laughs>